So a healthy church today is one where we are all growing in confidence and courage with sharing the good news of Jesus. If I had a title for this morning's talk, it would be Anyone, Everyone, Everywhere. Um, so I think that covers you and, and I. Really, it's a continuation of, of what we uh, picked up on last week in our uh, Heart for the Nations uh, stuff, where we said, yeah, we're, we're called to be part of the Church of Jesus Christ that goes to the ends of the earth, but some of us struggle even thinking about going to the end of our streets. This is the kind of, uh, if you're wearing very focal glasses like I am, this is the up-close bit this morning. It's the end of my street bit this morning, not just the long-distance end of the ends of the earth. Um, this is a message for those of you who, like me, don't feel that you are natural evangelists. You don't sit comfortably at that end of the spectrum. In my leadership down through the years, 20 years or so uh, this year since I've been involved in leading churches, and uh, I've, uh, early on I was always looking for someone else who would do the work of the evangelist. Uh, I, I tried to pay a guy to come and do evangelism for me, and then he made me go out with him on the streets and taught me a few things. Let me just tell you a story as I start. Uh, my my mother-in-law, it's never good to start a sermon with that line. It either sounds like a bad joke from a working men's club in the 1970s, uh, or a sermon that could go in any number of directions. I'm looking at her now, and she's smiling, so it's okay. My mother-in-law uh, was working as a carer, outstanding carer, with an, an old gentleman called Aubrey. I didn't know Aubrey. Uh, Mum had only begun caring for him in his last uh, couple of years, I guess, and uh, he was in his 90s and was very poorly and was going to die very soon. And Mum, uh, in the time she cared for him, had tried to share the gospel a number of times. I think, to my knowledge, Aubrey hadn't wanted to you know, talk to the hand, hadn't wanted to talk. Um, however, um, it got to a point uh, where he said to Mum one day, your son-in-law is some kind of vicar, would he come and talk to me? So uh, Mum called me up, I said, yeah, I'll go up there. Uh, it wasn't our, our patch, not our manor, uh, but we went up to, up to Croydon um, and uh, sat with Aubrey. And uh, he was very, very sick. He was in his, uh, uh, in his chair, in his bedroom. And uh, we talked for a little while. And then I said, Aubrey, why, why have you asked me to come and see you today? Uh, and it became apparent that, that Aubrey was very concerned about his, I guess what we'd say, his eternal state, what would happen when he, when he dies. And uh, so I was able to share with him the story of the workers in the vineyard um, with the guys who are hired at the start of the day and then on the hour through the day uh, by the owner of the vineyard and then at the end of the day and then when they come to be paid by the owner of the vineyard they find the guys who started early to their horror they're paid exactly the same as the men who were hired at the end of the day. It seems profoundly unfair and yet it's a parable about the grace, the saving grace of God. I said, Aubrey, I've been following Jesus for as long as I can remember um, but would you like to receive the same reward of grace when you go to meet your maker that I'm going to receive? Aubrey said, yes, please. Uh, we then talked about the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him uh, and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I said, Aubrey, do you want to know that you will be completely forgiven and free and with Jesus when you die? Aubrey said, yes, I do. I prayed with him, I led him in a prayer of repentance, he, he, he cried, he repented of his sins. There seemed to be a measure of baptism in the Holy Spirit, which was wonderful. The next day we went away on holiday, it was the summer, and uh, just the last day or two of our holiday, uh, we had a phone call to say that Aubrey had died. Um, it was sad, but we were so glad that we'd been able to see him. Uh, it's urgent, isn't it? It's really urgent. We don't live thinking it's urgent, but it really is urgent. 
Um, and uh, when I got back, I, I was asked to do the funeral. I didn't know anyone at the funeral. Um, they were all Aubrey's friends and acquaintances. And uh, so at the funeral, I, I preached for just for a few minutes, and I, I preached from the, the two stories that I'd, I'd shared with Aubrey. And I, I said, I want you to know these are stories that Aubrey responded to, have complete confidence and hope that he's with Jesus now. And obviously at a funeral, it's a great opportunity for anyone who preaches at a funeral to challenge those that are there. Hey, make sure the next time you're in church is not when you're in a box, uh, but actually you get a chance to respond now. Uh, I didn't say it quite like that at a funeral. That would be insensitive. Uh, but the, the heart behind it was the same. Uh, and uh, afterwards, uh, we, when we were milling around outside, a little old lady who must have been well into her 80s herself came running up to me and Kaz and Mum, and she was crying and there was lipstick everywhere and she was trying to give me kisses. It was all very messy and uh and she was thank you thank you thank you and when, when she calmed down and we were able to get the story she and her i think her friend who were methodist ladies that lived down the road for aubrey for over 40 years i think they they said and uh they they've been praying for aubrey and his wife pretty much every day since he moved into their street and they'd invited him along to church a number of times over the years and although i think aubrey and his wife had been good friends to them he'd never ever um, gone anywhere near any of that stuff and uh, she was saying to me through tears I thought Aubrey had died outside of Christ at this point we were crying because uh, she was thanking me and I was saying but, but you're the one that's prayed for him for 40 years and you think I'm the hero in the story um, but your faithful persevering prayer over year after year after year when you saw nothing coming back that was apparently happening uh, and you think I'm the hero in the story or the carer my mother-in-law, who just on a few occasions was brave enough to say, can I talk to you about Jesus? And just kept praying quietly. You think I'm the hero in the story? Uh, friends, I'm here to tell you today um, whether you're sowing seeds quietly, whether you're praying faithfully, or whether, like me, you get to do the actual reaping part of the kingdom seeds. Today, by the Spirit, we want something to be activated in us as ordinary believers, that we might live fruitfully for such a time as this with the gospel, which is urgent for our generation and our town. Can I hear an amen, please? Um, so I've, I've got five very simple kingdom expectations, and then we're going to, to uh, perhaps a short commissioning, and then we'll pray and welcome the Holy Spirit. Let's start with some kingdom expectations. Num- number one, and Eva has preached this already in, in that, that beautiful um, uh, prophetic story that she Told. Expectation one is that, that Jesus speaks. He has compassion. He's ready to save and ready to heal. Uh, in Luke chapter 4 and uh, verses 18 to 20, Jesus um, is just about to start his ministry and he uh, turns up at the synagogue in Nazareth and uh, he, quote, he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61. And uh, He stands and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And it says, then he rolled up back up the scroll. He sat down and the eye of everyone in the synagogue was fixed on him. And Jesus then said to them, today in your hearing, these words are fulfilled. Um, We come... Our first expectation is that we come to a God who has compassion. 
As Eva was telling us, for the broken, the unwanted, those that are outside, those that it's so easy for us to make snap judgments about without really knowing what's going on in their broken heartedness. The expectations of the scriptures is that if we have a God of compassion, then we, you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ, get to look and sound a bit like him with the measure of compassion that he puts in us. And it was something of that that Eva was expressing, I think, um, earlier. Um, For most of us, I believe, as churches in the UK, we don't always do that particularly well. And we need, uh, A, some repentance, and B, some fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to give us more of the heart and the burden of the Lord Jesus for those who are broken around us. You'll have heard us talk about this before if you've been around uh, a while. Uh, John Wimber, the American pastor, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, famously when he was born again out of a drugs uh, background, was asking his pastor with regard to the stories of the New Testament, when do we get to do the stuff? And of course his pastor said, well, we meet on a Sunday and and we have small groups. And John Wimber said, well, I gave up drugs for this. Um, He was waiting for the healing and the salvation and the deliverance and the raising of the dead. Wimble was right, actually. This stuff isn't supposed to have remained with Jesus and the church now be, today, be locked out from it. It is, it is for such a time as this. Um, here, here's the flow, Luke 9, 1 and 2. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. Let me hear you say power and authority. Well done, you're still with me. To drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Later on, if you flick over into Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72, not just 12, with a very similar instruction. By the time we get to Matthew 28, he's telling his disciples, and by extension, all of us and every disciple that has ever followed Jesus Christ, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. That promise hasn't finished yet. There's a chronological and geographical end point to that promise that we go to the ends of the earth, that is every tribe and tongue, language group and nation, and we keep on going until the end of the age, the point where the sky splits and Jesus Christ returns in his glory. Until that point, we continue to carry forward the work of Jesus Christ on planet earth. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus is about to go up into heaven. He's been, uh, he's been killed on the cross. He's been raised to life. As Justin said, there's an empty grave. He's now giving final instructions to his disciples. They're about to physically, bodily watch him go up into heaven. And he says in Acts 1 and verse 8, you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you, power to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You flick over into Acts chapter 2. And uh, we find, oh, this stuff actually is true. It actually happens. The very things that Jesus has been kind of prototyping with them and modelling with them and teaching them are now happening for the whole church. What Jesus promised as he ascends goes to the right hand of the Father. The promised Holy Spirit is now going to be poured out. And Acts chapter 2, as they're worshipping and praying together in one place, and oh God, would you come again on us tonight as we worship and pray in this place. The Holy Spirit's poured out, so full of the Spirit, so burdened for their city, they flood out into the city. And Peter begins to preach this extraordinary gospel. The penny has finally dropped. He finally understands why Jesus died. And from that point onwards, the early church models and demonstrates all the way through the book of the Acts of the Apostles what life 
in the kingdom for ordinary disciples like you and me actually looks like. They lived and carried his presence with them. We've got to grow in this church. We've got to grow again in our generation. So many of our UK churches don't reach our towns and cities because they just can't get out of their buildings. And we're really grateful to God for this building, but we cannot afford to be that way. There are hundreds of thousands that don't yet know Christ. Kingdom expectation number one. He speaks. He has compassion. He heals. He saves. Number two. God wants to reveal himself to lost and broken people. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, I've come for the, not for the healthy, but for the sick. I nearly got that the wrong way around, which would have rather ruined the emphasis. Um, we're learning that God is so ready to show himself in, in this way. I love uh, what the prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 65, verse 1, I revealed myself, this is the words of God, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I don't think we need convincing. These words are true. Each one of us, none of us would be sat here today had there not been a God in heaven who was ready to reveal himself to those of us who weren't looking for him. None of us were looking for him. We were all dead in our sins. We were all enemies in our minds through our evil behavior. We were all far from God. I don't, I'm not aware of anyone being from a, a, a Jewish-Israelite background, part of the covenant promise of the people of God. All of us were far off from other backgrounds, other nations, other traditions, other faiths or even an atheism in our minds. None of us were looking for God, but he has revealed himself to us and found us and brought us into his family. If it's true for us, when we were outside, when we were unwanted, then it's true for all the others, that are the, the, the rest of the brokenhearted that he's come to bind up. And he is well able to get their attention, just like he got yours and mine. You, some of you now are remembering that moment where God got your attention, where he tapped you on the shoulder or, or opened your heart up in a moment or gradually, slowly brought up around church in Sunday school, began to reveal that his love for you was true. However it was, however God did it in your life or mine, he's well able to make himself known to those that we're thinking of right now in our lives and in our streets that don't yet know him. And friends, you know, even if people that God is revealing himself to don't get saved immediately, we can still just be so confident in this promise. He's just so ready to show himself if only we're ready to make him known. I was praying, I was with Chris uh, Johnson two, three years ago. We took a a team of young people to do a, a week on the streets in, in Geneva in the north of Italy and we were just praying for people and I went with a couple of, of our uh, sort of older teenagers to a group of skaters, skateboard lads that were in this big piazza in one of the city, uh, city squares in, in Geneva and we were just asking that afternoon, is, is there anything that we can pray for, is any sickness uh, for you or in your family. Um, it, you don't need a word of knowledge or a prophetic word if you're going over to lads who are skating. They've always got broken wrists and busted up elbows and knees that are, kneecaps that are around the side somewhere and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I went over six or seven lads and uh, explained in my comedy Italian. They spoke a bit of comedy English and between us we understood that I was some kind of Christian trying to pray for them. Uh, and the, the kind of lead lad pulled up his shirt and all up his ribs and his side, it was black and blue and grazed and, and cut. So I said, uh, I'm just going to ask, I said, does it hurt now? He said, yes. Uh, I'm going to ask Jesus to take away the pain and to, and to show himself to you, to show you that he cares for you and that he loves you. We follow a saviour who wants to make himself known to those who aren't looking for him. He said, okay. Uh, and uh, we just prayed very simply, very short prayer on the streets. We don't pray for long. Um, and it's not like in church where people know how to stand 
they adopt and assume the, the correct charismatic position. The first time I pray for someone on the streets, uh, I, I laid my hand on him and began to pray with my eyes closed. And when I opened my eyes two minutes later, he was 100 meters up the street. And I looked like I was doing some kind of Star Wars move. Or, so I, you, know, you learn fairly quickly on the, on the streets. So I just prayed for this guy, prayed the gospel, but I prayed specifically, Jesus, will you show yourself to him? As I was praying, he was mucking about. The, the lads that were standing around him were laughing and joking and saying some quite crude things. Uh, that even my bad Italian understood. And, uh, but at one point, he went, <gasps> I heard him take his breath in. Uh, so I stopped praying and said, are you okay? Um, he said, yeah, the, the pain's all gone. Uh, and I said, what, what do you mean? He pulled up his shirt. It was still black and blue, still had the grazes. But he said, I felt the pain all go. So I said, Jesus loves you so much. And he is showing you that he loves you and he cares for you. He wants a relationship with you. Can I just pray? One more time for you. Yes, he said. This time as I prayed, he and the lads with him all stood like this. And uh, genuinely, that's exactly how it was. We follow a saviour. I never saw them again. They went off to catch a bus. We were in a big city. I don't know where they're at. My responsibility was to sow a seed that day and to show this young man and his friends that there is a God who is revealing himself to those who are not looking for him. Perhaps that takes us on to kingdom expectation number three. You still with me? Wave if you're with me. It's not about results. It's about faithfulness and obedience, where we live in a results, success-driven world. I'm learning still that responsibility for salvation is God's. It's his kingdom. It's his fruit. It's just my responsibility and yours to walk in it, to take it, and to live it. In fact, well, we mentioned Luke 9 earlier, where Jesus sends out the 72. If you read on in Luke 9, I think by the time you get to verse 4 or 5, Jesus is telling them, hey, if people don't welcome you, you just move on. You shake the dust from your feet. Later on, we learn the harvest is ripe. It's always ripe. The workers are few. What we're learning through the Gospels, through the Acts of the Apostle, is that it's our responsibility to follow the Father to where he's at work, to where the harvest is ready, to be obedient. If the harvest isn't ripe at that time, great, we're sowing seeds that others will reap later on. The fruit is down to him. We don't set kind of totalizer targets for how many people you must lead to Jesus this year. If, if you are like the Methodist ladies who pray for Aubrey, pray for one man for 40 years and he ends up in glory, praise God if that's the assignment God's given you. What we're doing is looking, God, where are you at work? Observing, where's the kingdom at work? It's important in the early part of next year we'll come to talk again and pray and, and take some specific action about moving towards some 2020 goals and vision the Holy Spirit's given us. It's important though that we understand this point that it's our responsibility just to discern, to look for the signs, to be open, to ask questions, to invite, to not worry about numbers. Um, we're about being disciples who make disciples. I, I, I'm realising still, I know it's obvious but I'm still... Realising it, all our, all our um, neighbours, like your neighbours and your friends as well, are on some kind of, of scale. Theologians call it the Engel scale, how far people are from knowing Jesus Christ on a kind of minus 10 to a zero, to a above zero into the, the, the kingdom. Um, you, all your friends and neighbours are on that scale. You and I just get to pray for them and share our lives with them and be courageous like Aubrey's neighbours were, like mum was in her care for him. We allow God to take care of everything else. Our neighbours and friends, your neighbours and friends, they're not all at the same point. Um, some of them have literally no idea about Jesus Christ. 
Um, and we don't mock them for that. They've been brought up in this generation. They don't know what we believe or why we believe it. We have a neighbor who was around our house a couple of weeks ago. We were talking upstairs. She saw some of our chairs that we hang um, up uh, high up off the floor because we don't have anywhere else to store them. And she looked at the chairs and she said to me in a quiet voice, do you hang the chairs like that because of your religious convictions? And uh, yeah, my response, I didn't laugh, but I, I felt like laughing. I thought, lady, don't you know? But then I realized, oh, that man, that's almost mocking. She, of course she doesn't know. And who's told her? She doesn't know the gospel. And so she knows that I'm some kind of religious guy. And so she's trying to make a connection. She's inquisitive. Um, but she's got no connection with church and no understanding. She'll be a minus 10, I guess. I've got another neighbour, Sam and Mel. They're not here. They've had so much sickness, Sam and Mel. When I first met Sam two, three years ago, he lives opposite us and talked to Sam. I thought, OK, uh, here's a young man in his late 20s. He won't know the gospel. In my first conversation with Sam, after about two minutes, Sam told me I was brought up in church. I'm not living like a believer. Can I come back to church and get baptised? I hear you're the new vicar at Crawley Community Church. Sam was a minus one. He was, he was right there. He was, he was ready. Your neighbours and mine are on that kind of scale somewhere from thinking hanging chairs or something to do with your faith to being people who actually have a real desire to follow Jesus and are just waiting for someone like you or I to give them an opportunity to ask some questions and to pray for them. But it's not our job to save someone. It is our responsibility to meet people where they are at and with the Holy Spirit's help and courage to have some conversations which may just move them along uh, and help us to keep praying for them. Can I hear an amen, please? Amen. Kingdom expectation number four. And by the way, if anyone knows anything about a faith that does hang chairs, please let me know because maybe she was experiencing something that I don't know about. Kingdom expectation four, he, he wants to use ordinary disciples like us. I, I think that's one of the biggest blocks that we have um, I, I think I said last week with regard to the nations, I, I don't, and it's true of us locally as well, it's not possible for us to be filled with a missionary Holy Spirit and only have our own lives impacted. John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of him will flow rivers of, of living water. Uh, John says that, that Jesus was speaking of the Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. As we heard a few minutes ago, Jesus has now been glorified. He's ascended into heaven. He's poured out his Spirit on the church. He's poured out his Spirit into ordinary believers like you and me. But his Spirit is not just to come into us so that we enjoy church and we enjoy our quiet times, and we enjoy our worship and quietly speaking in tongues. And thank you, Jesus, that you have given us the Spirit, so we have all of that enjoyment and joy in you. But the Spirit is supposed to flow out from us into the dry and thirsty ground and people that are around us. We cannot receive the Holy Spirit. We cannot be a, a people who are baptised in the Spirit and not be pushing out dynamically into those who are around us. It's normal Christianity, and I'm not sure how the church in the UK has lost that. It makes it very simple for us again. Our responsibility is just to get soaked in God. And we'll pray again tonight. Just welcome the Holy Spirit. Get soaked in God. And then as Eva was doing last week, just listen to the cry of the poor and the broken and the needy and our neighbour. Our responsibility is just to get filled and then to love people with what we've received. To be obedient, to be courageous and let him bring the fruits. I was uh, praying uh, I'll leave that story, it's, it's fine, it's another story, but I want to move on and get to some, some prayer. Um, you have to ask me tonight to share that story, it's a really, really good one. Um, so, Kingdom Expectation 4, he wants to use ordinary disciples 
like us. Uh, as another John Wimberism, you've received something, now give it away. You've received something, now give it away. Can I hear you say you've received something? Now give it away. Just nudge your neighbor and tell them, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you've received something, now give it away. Yeah. Kingdom Expectation 5, and these are connected. He, he's given us a simple, powerful message. Preach the kingdom. Again, in Luke 9, uh, 1, where Jesus sends the 72, he tells them to preach, uh, the 12, preach the, the kingdom. Again, I think for us, this is linked with the question, uh, can God use me, an ordinary believer like me? Often, I, I, I'm aware of it in my own life and, and certainly aware of it in others I speak to. Um, what could I say? What answers would I have if someone asked me a, a, a difficult question about creation or the dinosaurs or LGBT or... Uh, or the, uh, Noah was texting us from Holland last week about a friend at work he's been sharing the gospel with. She said to him, can you explain the Trinity to me? I get a WhatsApp uh, in that moment. Dad, Dad, quickly, how do you explain the Trinity to someone who's not a believer? Oh. In those moments, we can be overwhelmed with an expectation. Could God really use me? Hey, he's given us a simple, powerful message. Preach the kingdom. You know your own story. You know how Jesus has impacted your life. You know how you've been written into the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know right now he's open and ready to show himself to people. Let me encourage you, friends. Keep reading the Gospels. Since I was 18 years old and my mum and dad gave me a study Bible for my birthday, I've read a chapter of the Gospels nearly every single day of my life. I've gone round Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the Acts of the Apostles again and again and again. Probably get to go through them three times a year. Read the Gospel. Pray the Gospel. Write the Gospel out if you need to. Memorise some Gospel scriptures. Um, carry some. We need to get some more printed because... Uh, Dear Martin Johnson has, has uh, taken up my supply. We need to get some of these, more of these cards. Martin, well done. Uh, some more of these Bibles and cards that we give away that have some key scriptures that help people map out in that moment where someone says, so can you tell me what it means to be a Christian? And you think, what would I say in that moment? Oh, well, actually, here are some scriptures I can just talk through with you. Carry it with you. Be ready. Be obedient. Friends, can I tell you, please don't wait for someone else to do it like I did for years. One of the elders. Or wait till we've got a full-time evangelist on staff. Hey, do you know what? If you gave me £30,000 today for a member of staff, we'd say thank you very much. Because um, it would be great to expand the staff team. But I'm not sure we would employ a full-time evangelist. Because I'm looking out at a church of 150 full-time adult evangelists. Plus probably 50 teenage kids uh, and, 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 and uh, children who are also evangelists. Don't wait for someone else. Don't wait for an alpha team. By the way, if you came wanting to give us £30,000 for a member of staff, you're very welcome to. I'm not turning it down. I'm just saying I'm not going to employ an evangelist. Because we are the evangelists. Um, even if you just make a decision, recently again, I've, I've, I've done it before and I've, I've challenged myself to do it again. When I'm in a conversation with someone, whether in the church or out of the church, I say, hey Tony, how are you doing? He says, I'm okay, but I've got a bit of a sore back. Rather than saying like you and I often do, I'm really, I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, what medication are you on? Have you seen the doctor? Uh, or just, it's great. A bit of sympathy is a good thing, but I, I'm, I'm just, I've resolved again to say whether it's with Tony in the church or with, whether it's with one of my neighbours outside the church, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit for a moment of courage where I can say, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, did you know I'm a Christian? I'd love to pray for you. Just, just that, that resolution alone. 
um, means that God begins to use ordinary people like you and I and gives you and I opportunities just to begin to share very simply, even if it's just in a short prayer, the good news about Jesus Christ. You and I could all do that uh, and we would change the town. Let, let's have a commission and then we must, must pray. Um, I've got carried away telling stories. John fourteen twelve. Jesus says, um, if uh, I, I tell you the truth, anyone ha- who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I've preached on this verse many times and I've heard others preach on this famous verse. That I think the first half is astonishing, though it's often the second part uh, of the verse where Jesus talks about us doing greater things that gets the attention. I think this verse speaks into my and your ordinary, weak, fearful hearts today. For those of us who don't feel like natural evangelists, and if, if you are a natural evangelist, and we do have some, just forgive me while I speak to the, the rest of us. If only we would believe that anyone who has faith in Jesus will do what Jesus has been doing. If only we believe that, church. If only we would carry that conviction in our hearts from the word of God in the scriptures. I'm, I'm, really, I'm here today with one message. It's to tell you and to speak to my own heart. If it is a conviction we believe, and if we begin to put it into practice in our lives in the coming weeks and months, it's a conviction that is about to change my life and yours. It's about to change my street. It's about to change our church. It's about to turn us inside out. It's about to change our town. Um, Jesus says we'll do what he has been doing. It's extraordinary. And again, before you say, yeah, but not for me, he can't mean me, Jesus says anyone who has faith in me, anyone, um, if you're a brand new believer and you've just come to faith in Jesus Christ, for our children with an immature understanding but a genuine faith in Jesus, if you're a doubter or a backslider, maybe you've just come back to church for the first time in weeks or months today and you're strap, uh, struggling and grappling with with uh, genuine faith. Anyone. I think anyone covers everyone in this room today and everyone in the church. The simple qualification for us, friends, is to be commissioned today is that everyone is welcome to participate in this mission and ministry of Jesus. We all get to do this stuff. Truly, anyone and everyone. If you believe in him, if you trust him, you get to do what he's been doing. You, you and I get to share the gospel. You and I get to heal the sick. You and I get to cast out demons. Anyone Jesus said, no one is excluded through any lack of any kind, through any lack of qualification. The only requirement is faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work and then courage to be obedient. And even in this, he gives us the help of the Holy Spirit. We're not on our own. He knows we lack courage. And so he pours in the Spirit in those moments. He's not left me alone like an orphan. He even supplies the courage when I call on him and when I need it. I don't think we need convincing about the kingdom plan. We're already believers. We've already responded to that. But we do need challenging church, you and I, for today, for such a time as this, of the need to faithfully and obediently carry this call, to carry out our part in getting filled with the Holy Spirit and carrying the gospel forward in our generation, in our homes, in our streets, and in our town. Anyone and everyone. We've been asking the question, what have I got in my hand? What have I got in this house? What have I got in my life? I'm thinking this morning as I'm preaching of my neighbours. Maybe you're thinking of your workspace. Maybe it's people who live in your home that don't know Jesus. The situations you find yourself in. What is it about my life that when offered up in his name, when offered to him in faith, 
when enabled with the mighty power and courage of the Holy Spirit, might cause the mission of Jesus to advance afresh across our town and beyond. So I think today as I finish and we pray together, I just want to tell you, please go home and be disciples. I speak to myself as well. Go home and be a disciple. Um, Go home and be a disciple of Jesus. We don't need the conditions to be perfect. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. We love good courses that teach us. But friends, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you don't need to enroll on another course. You don't need to be mentored for another year. It doesn't matter whether you call yourself an introvert or an extrovert. You don't need to wait until you know more, until you have more, uh, until you've grown older, or maybe you're wishing, oh, if I was younger, or waiting for your kids to get through this difficult phase and then you'll be ready. You don't need a budget or a team or a set of shiny companion study guides or some really new amazing flyers from Joe to give out in the town centre. All these things can become excuses for us and I'm here today to say can we stop making excuses and just go home and be disciples of Jesus Christ. Benjamin Franklin said, um, and this cut me a little bit, I've never met a man who was good at making excuses who was really any good at anything else. (laughs) Don't be that man, don't be that woman, disciple of Jesus Christ. You may be saying, I'm going to be busy in work meetings all day tomorrow, how can I do this kind of evangelism stuff you're talking about. Hey, it doesn't matter, um, it doesn't matter where you are. It does matter what you are and who you are. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are in those moments. And, and beloved, in those meetings tomorrow or at the school gate tomorrow, in your workplace tomorrow, with your neighbor, with your unsaved husband or your wife in your home tomorrow, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You carry the, his devolved mission and power with you. Like Jesus, we, get, we are engaged by the Father to Um, to operate wherever he's placed us. And he's placed you in those meetings tomorrow. So you and I get to pray. We get to ask God, hey God, would you show me? What do you want to do? What do you want to say? Would you show me your will in this meeting today or at this school gate today? Would you prompt me with your works? Imagine what gospel seeds you may be able to sow. Imagine who you may be able to pray for for healing as you walk forward with courage. Let me finish with this story. I was uh, coming back from uh, Romania last year and came into Luton Airport. I was going on to a conference in Bedford. I was just going to hop on a train to to Bedford and uh, the the trains weren't running. It was late at night. I was very tired. It had been a busy conference and uh, I was in a long queue for the taxis at at Luton Airport Um, and uh, I just wanted to get to my little um, travel lodge hotel room and have a big bag of minstrels and go to bed. That was, that was what was on my heart. Um, it's my go-to happy place. Uh, I, I'm learning there's a happier place to go to. Um, I am. Uh, and uh, anyway, a guy taps me on the shoulder behind me and uh, says, hey, could we, could we, if you're going the same way as me, could we save, save costs, half the taxi fare, could we go together? I, I, the last thing I wanted to do was have time with anyone else. I was, I was done. I poured myself out with the churches and... But in my spirit, I knew, hey, this, if someone, I, I teach this stuff. Some, someone's, someone's opening up a conversation with me. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to do something. So I'm just showing my heart, honestly, begrudgingly. I said, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, great. And uh, we got in the taxi, and he was going most of the way I was going. And I, I thought, okay, God, I'm here now. Let me try and talk, and I'll be a super evangelist. You're going to give me a great story. So I started talking with him and, uh, and uh, chatted a bit. He asked me what I do for a living. I appreciate for me when I say I'm a, I'm a church leader or a depending on their understanding, some kind of vicar. And uh, usually, obviously for me, that makes it very easy then to to either people open up and ask about what you believe, or it shuts the conversation down completely. 
He asked me what I did for a living. It shut it down completely, even physically turned away on the back seat. And so we just talked about Champions League football. It was on the radio in the, in the car as we were driving. And when he, when he got out of the car, I shook his hand. Nice to meet you. I said, God bless you. That was, I'm, I'm, I meant that. I really meant God bless you. I was kind of leaving a seed with him. But that was it. It wasn't spectacular. Didn't lead him to the Lord. Um, but, and I thought, okay, God, well, that's what you wanted me to do. I've, I've done it. I've been obedient. The fruit is up to you. We uh, carried on in the taxi, drove around the corner. A uh, taxi driver pulls into a lay-by on a dark street, turns off the engine turns around, Muslim, Pakistani guy. I, genuinely, for a moment, I felt a little bit afraid. Uh, all kinds of stereotypes coming up in me that were not right, that I needed to repent of. He turns around, he looks through the gap in the seat, and he says to me, excuse me, uh, I've written this down, it was word for word. He said, I, I was listening to every word of your conversation with that guy. Um, he said, I've been waiting for someone to get into my taxi who I could ask my questions about Christianity to. Uh, I don't know anyone that I could ask. Could I ask you my questions? It was an amazing moment. We had 20 minutes in the lay-by. He asked me all kinds of questions. I was able to share the gospel with him, pray for him, pray for his family. When we got to uh, my little travel lodge, uh, he carried my bag into reception, gave me a hug. He was in tears. I prayed for him again. Again, I've never met him again. I didn't lead him to the Lord that day. Friends, I'm just telling you, go and be a disciple in a taxi at the school gate, in your meetings at work. This is totally normal life we're called to. The only difference is that we're praying and we're full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this couldn't be further from extraordinary life. I, it's in my moment of weakness. I'm not wearing my Superman underpants on the outside of my trousers, super evangelist. It's completely everyday, completely normal. It's just like your life and my life. And yet the Father is ready to work if only we'll open our ears and our eyes and even our mouth. Just go home and be a disciple. Anyone and everyone, no exclusions, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're all ready. Amen? Amen? Can you stand up, please? Let's pray. Is there someone here who's not yet a follower of Jesus? I don't know your hearts. have got a number who are away today, but we've got a number that are here and are receiving right now. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the most urgent thing you can do is give your life to him fully and completely. Maybe you're listening to this in our ID room right now, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I'd urge you just to pray with, ask someone who's in the room with you to pray with you and to give your life to Jesus. If you're in here now, I'm going to invite you just to come forward and see me or Justin in a few moments when we've finished. Maybe you're listening online in the week at some point uh, to the repeat and you've never fully given your life to Christ. I want to encourage you, wherever you're listening to this right now, to give your heart to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You speak. You want to reveal yourself. It's not about us getting results. You've not called us to be salesmen. You want to use us by your spirit. We can all partner with you. We can all hear you speak. You're ready to act. You've given us this message. Oh, Lord Jesus, for those of us here who are disciples of yours, and what a privilege it is to carry this gospel, would you just flood us again with your spirit? Oh, God, we, we, Lord, even as I've told these stories this morning, my heart's quickened. Lord, I want more of this. I want this to be normal life for me and for the church family that I represent. Lord, I love the idea of hundreds of us. Lord, I pray for the other churches in the town too that preach the gospel, that we might have thousands of ordinary disciples just living like disciples 
around the town. God, when you do something in Crawley that is, is just so New Testament and normal and ordinary and yet extraordinary, that means that hundreds and thousands of men and women and boys and girls get to meet Jesus and get to come into the kingdom. Would you make us that kind of healthy church and give us those kinds of healthy churches across the town? And Lord Jesus, I just ask you now to open our eyes and to open our ears. Lord, we respond to what Eva said this morning, where we've been deaf, where we've lacked your compassion, where we've not had your heart. Lord, where we've got attitudes we need to repent of. Holy Spirit, right now, would you just release us? We come to you and seek your forgiveness. God, thank you. You're so ready to pour in your spirit. Oh God, come upon us, we pray. Come upon us, we pray. Lord, even now, you're just speaking to one or two, giving, reminding them of neighbours or friends or people they've prayed for and given up on. Oh, thank you so much. You saved Aubrey. Lord, right now, would you just provoke, put on people's hearts right across this room. Lord, that already there are names of people that you think, yeah, I've got to pray for them again. I've got to pray for them. I've got to invite them over again. I've got to have another go at sharing the gospel with them. Lord, would you right now just be imprinting on our hearts with your compassion, those that you're already working in, those assignments that you have for us. Yeah, that person you work with. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, that one that seems so far away, <laughs> that thinks that chairs hanging on the ceiling are something to do with your faith. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, that's the one the Lord's put on your heart right now, on your radar. Oh, Jesus, just give fresh faith again, would you? Lord, even with our stumbling, our inadequacies, where we get it wrong. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You've called us. Flood us with your spirit, Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We thank you for those who are natural evangelists here. God, would you just let them be so released amongst us, God? We pray for story after story. Lord, we don't want to wait till 2020 when we're on a special mission year. We, we, we believe, Lord, you can start something now in us and activate something now. And so we welcome the activation of faith from the Holy Spirit and courage in us today. Lord, even today, even this afternoon, even tomorrow, we pray for opportunities where we will be alert to the possibility that you've given us a chance to pray for someone or, or share the gospel. I pray for those who have resolved with me as they heard me this morning say, oh yeah, I'm going to try that. When someone says they're not well, I'm going to try saying, I'm a Christian, can I pray for you? Lord, I pray for each of those who've resolved that this morning. Just put your hand up if you felt, yeah, I want to do that. I want to live that way. Yeah, Lord, I pray for each of those. Oh, God, thank you for so many that are desperate for courage from you. Oh, flood us with your spirit, Lord. I pray we just have some amazing adventures, God. Some great stories. Lord, I know we're going to have some moments where we, uh, where we end up giggling and laughing because we made such a muddle of it. But God, thank you. You want to show your love through us. And I pray, God, even this week, each one of us that's got our hand up now would say, wow, it happened. I had the opportunity, God, because you're so ready to show yourself. So, Lord, all over this church, we pray for our kids, God. We pray for our teenagers. Lord, it's not something in five, ten years' time. God, use them now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We pray at school, in their colleges, at their universities. God, each one of them with the simple faith they have. Thank you so much for the team that are teaching and equipping them. Thank you for parents, night after night, morning by morning, that are trying to read Bible stories and pray and amongst all the giggles and the distractions. and the, Are our kids ever soaking any of this up? Yes, they are, God. We thank you for faithful ministry from parents year after year. That means that our kids go into their schools as ordinary disciples who love Jesus where anything can happen. We pray for story after story. And we ask you in Jesus' name, would you baptise us afresh in your spirit? that we might be disciples that go from here and love Crawley. Hallelujah. 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 Well, please go. Uh, if you want to pray for one another, if you want to respond to any of those words of knowledge for healing that came earlier,